Limerick Today now on 46 One in five of us who develop sepsis will die, but with early recognition and treatment, this risk can be hugely reduced. That's why the HSC are relaunching their campaign, asking people to learn the signs and symptoms of sepsis. And on the line to chat about this, we have Assistant Director of Nursing in the Intermediate Care Facility in the University of Limerick, Yvonne Young, and Audrey McGahan, who is a mum who has direct family experience uh, of uh, sepsis. And uh, you're both very welcome. Audrey, uh, first of all, t- uh, tell us your story and your family's story about this. Good morning. Um, yes, our daughter Molly, who was um, 12 at the time, a very healthy, healthy teenager, well, almost teenager, um, no underlying issues, rarely sick in her in her 12 years, um, was at school that day and had rang me just to tell me that she had a, a slight sore throat. So I went up to check on her and I saw Molly coming out with two or three of her girlfriends giggling and laughing and I thought, oh, well, it's not that sore. So I left her a little throat spray and um, in the afternoon she had phoned back to say that she felt worse. So my husband collected her from school um, as I was working and, um, yeah, again, we weren't too concerned, to be honest. Um, we had friends for dinner that evening and Molly sat with us and seemed a bit hot that night uh, so I took a temperature and it was 38.5 <clears throat> which was high uh, for Molly but again not dangerously high um, as I was told so we tried to cool her down and you know open a few windows and whereas Molly had been sitting in front of the fire you know over the evening so um, we went to Shannon Dock who basically said it's most likely viral and just keep her fluids up uh, regular paracetamol and you know, to go home and keep an eye on her. So we sat out in the car for a few minutes and um, I just said to know, you know, wouldn't hurt to just get a, a second opinion in Limerick. But again, we were not overly concerned about her. So we went down to Ainley. But by the time we got there, Molly was very, very drowsy. So her dad carried her in. But I'd given Molly um, a codeine-based cough bottle. So, I, you know, not being used to cough bottles or codeine, I knew it was going to affect her. So um, the nurse did all her, her odds, her temp and whatnot. And she just looked at myself and Owen and, you know, she asked, how long has your daughter been like this? I suppose drowsy. And we were like, well, just in the last hour. So it's just escalated from there. Uh, we were brought straight into the resource um, area in Limerick and every nurse, every consultant, um, they obviously knew the signs and symptoms of sepsis. And it just escalated from there, really. And when did they say to you, this is sepsis? Oh, that would have been in Temple Street the following day. So, um, so, oh, it, it, I, I, that, so in, it was in the intervening period, you obviously knew that uh, your daughter Molly was getting worse. Well, but, within the next few hours in Limerick, we knew um, with the amount of basically consultants that, you know, were called in and nurses. And you could you can read nurses' faces, you know. Did they ter- tell us, you know, a few times that, you know, this is, this is serious, you know, your daughter's very sick. And I just, I said, you know, what is it, like a chest infection or pneumonia? And um, they were like, yeah, yes, you know, she has both. She has double pneumonia. She has um, bilateral pneumonia and um, she's very, very sick. So we actually needed to give permission within the next couple of hours, you know, to intubate Molly in ICU. And that alone comes with its own risks. We were informed that Molly may suffer cardiac arrest. Um, but we had no choice. We just had to, you know, we had to go along with... But what they wanted at that stage, we had no. There was no time to kind of play around, and just, you know, it was 
it was fairly hectic at the stage. Yeah, so um, yeah. Temple Street and Crumlin had been notified at this stage. So, um, and, and Audrey, I mean, you, was she unconscious from the point at which she was drowsy in the hospital? or No, she was conscious. She was very conscious up until ICU where um, they put a mask. It was a special neb, nebulizer to put Molly on where BPAC, you can't move it from her face. It was very, you know, frightening for Molly. Um, and so at that stage where she couldn't talk, she was writing little post-its to us you know, that she was very scared and, you know, please don't put the tube down my neck. Um, so she was she was conscious up until the intubator, yeah. Yeah, that must have been just horrendous for her horrific, and for yeah. you guys yeah. as well. Just it absolutely awful. We're chatting to Audrey uh, McGann uh, about her uh, daughter Molly and sepsis and also the Assistant Director of Nursing in the Intermediate Care Facility in UL, Yvonne Young, is with us. So then it was uh, Temple Street the next day. It was Temple Street. The uh, Bumbulance came down with um, a team from ICU in Temple Street and they again had had to work on Molly for a few hours in Limerick before they made their journey. Um, it was a very long, slow journey. Um, so that evening um, they arrived. We arrived at the Temple Street at approximately 9pm that night. And yeah, they were again working on Molly there. Um, so we were told, you know, Molly didn't have long so to spend whatever time, so we were allowed in basically straight away. Just so you know, Molly doesn't have long left, and that's how we spent. That we spent the first week, if not two weeks, you know, just minute by minute. It wasn't day by day; it was every beep, every minute. Um, they H- basically having, had no medical. To- having been told <clears throat> that she she wasn't going to survive, she wasn't going to survive. No, no. You know, at that stage, Molly had severe sepsis, multi organ failure. Renal failure. She was on dialysis. Basically, all her organs. Um, you know, and then there was fear of Molly being um, have suffered brain damage as well from lack of oxygen. And our argument was, no, she can't be because she was intubated. You know, she wasn't. But because Molly's blood pressure was so low, um, that alone would have could have caused. So that was another miracle. Or, you know, Temple Street tell us even now today they have no reasoning to how Molly survived. There is no medical explanation to how. The child, so they're we've regular medical uh, checkups because they're just monitoring her progress and documenting everything. You know, she's basically a case study at the moment to yeah. what recovery she will make. And, and Audrey, at what point did she start to turn the corner? Then she they um, extubated her. Um, I'd say it was day twenty one. They tried to extubate her and it didn't work. Molly wasn't ready. Um, Basically, she had lost all her muscles, so she lost the ability to cough. So when they removed her tube, she had a like a bronchial spasm and couldn't breathe. So that was another horrific day where they had to reintubate her, and it took the whole day basically to stabilise her again. Um. So yeah, after about a week, and um, they tried it again, and it did it did work. But Molly, you know, they had to go down into her lungs physically and suction sputum up several times a day, which was horrific for the poor child. You know, she'd have to be restrained. And so, yeah, it, it was like that for a long time. Um, even in Limerick, you know, when we stopped, we were in Limerick for a while, then on the way home, and again, regular suctioning. And suddenly when she got home, um, she, you know, even then she had to be readmitted a few times to Limerick. But um, she just, yeah, she just got stronger and, again, had the ability to cough and lots of physio, keep the lungs as clear as possible. Uh, we're still, you know, she still has daily physio three times a day. 
um, to keep her lungs clear. Um, she was diagnosed with um, a lung condition called bronchiectasis, which basically means her lungs are, because of the scarring she had from the sepsis, she's constantly making sputum. Her lungs are constantly filling, filling, filling. And, you know, Molly's a 15-year-old teenager now who doesn't like coughing, doesn't like phlegm, so it's a nightmare, if you yeah, can imagine, course, yeah. to keep her, you know, yeah. and... And and, now, and just to be clear, I mean, she's she's at home now, yes? Oh, she's at home, yeah, yeah, yeah she's at home. Um, we're waiting on another surgery in Tempest Street. Molly took a huge growth spurt in Tempest Street, uh, funny enough, and as her muscles were breaking down, her ankles contractured, so she, Molly was left on her toes, and again, with no muscles in her in her poor legs to, to stand. Just so she had um, external fixators with 21 pins in each leg from the ankle right up to the knee for six months where myself and Noel, her dad, had to do a daily, um, like a regime, diet or turning dials and whatnot to get her feet back down on the ground, which they did. But within a couple of weeks of the fixations coming off, she sprung back up on her toes. So we're just waiting now on another surgery. So, you know, not having the ability to exercise and to run to really keep the lungs clear, that was another major, it is a huge setback for her. Um, She's she's really... But she's out of her wheelchair now. She's walking on her toes up to school with her friends. She's just incredible. Incredible. But now having to wear a mask because of COVID isn't ideal either, so... Yeah. She was uh, off all last week, you know, just because she did find the masks. If you can imagine coughing of course, of in course. a mask for yeah. eight hours a day, it's it's not ideal. Yeah. Um, uh, Audrey talking to us there about Molly and, uh, as I mentioned, Assistant Director of Nursing, um, Yvonne Young with us. Um, Yvonne, well, I suppose both of us are sort of sitting here saying, do we really need to say any more about, I know, about it's so sepsis? And, yeah. um, but what general advice would you have for listeners? So, Joe, I suppose um, it's not to frighten people, but it's just to have sepsis on people's radar, you know, where to go to get good information. If you're worried about a loved one or yourself, you know, if they have, if they're sick with infection and they're not getting better and they're deteriorating. So basically, you know, all of us have had some sort of an infection in our lifetimes and, you know, it runs a normal course. You know, our bodies are amazing. It knows what to do when it gets infection. It mobilises a response to kill the bug that's causing the infection. But of course, with sepsis, that normal response becomes abnormal and uh, the body's own uh, tissues and organs starts to attack its own immune system and it can be life-threatening. And as you hear there, Molly's story, you know, she ended up in multi-organ failure and she's extremely lucky to be alive. Um, and the thing is, I suppose, you know, children and young people can can compensate so well and then they can deteriorate, you know, very rapidly. Like Archie saved her daughter's life, you know, listening to that mother's intuition going, you know what, you know, we'll just go and get a second opinion. Whereas if she went home, it could be a very, very different story. So I suppose it's just to have it on your radar, know that, you know, if you had infection, you weren't getting any better or you're getting worse, you know, could it be sepsis? Um, and where can I where can I get help? And if you thought it was sepsis, it's to access urgent medical um, assistance uh, with that. Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you both very much for uh, chatting uh, to us, uh, particularly you, uh, Audrey, for telling us uh, about your daughter, Molly, uh, who we wish the very, very best uh, to. Uh, she's on the journey, but as you say, there's quite a bit to go for her yet. And Assistant Director of Nursing in the Intermediate Care Facility at University um, Hospital Limerick, Yvonne Young. So it is important just to uh, point out to you that uh, sepsis is something you need to watch out for. And the HSC are relaunching their campaign uh, for that very good reason. My favourite Limerick Place on Live 95.
Limerick Today now on 461995.